0: Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey salespeople, today it is our great pleasure to welcome Paul Williamson to the podcast. Welcome Paul.
1: Thanks Jeremy, it was great to be with you guys today.
0: Paul is the head of sales at Plaid. Plaid is a platform that helps companies to access financial information. We're actually going to talk about what it's like to be in sales, leadership, and sales when you are both an acquirer, as Paul's company has been, as well as the acquiree in the process of being acquired by another company. So we'll, we'll that'll be our main theme. We'll, of course, talk about a lot of other things. And I'm also joined today by my co-host, Sean Day. Welcome, Sean Day.
2: Thanks, Jeremy. Good to be on.
0: So let's get to know Paul a little bit. And Paul, lately I used to ask people about books a lot. But lately, I've been asking people much more about how they learn and stay sharp and keep up with both sales knowledge as well as industry knowledge. So, love to hear from you how you keep the saw sharp.
1: You know, for me, I've always focused number one on having a mentor or mentors. I think one of the things that I've always focused on is kind of like knowing what I'm good at, but also knowing the things that I need help with. I'm really lucky, like, I still count probably close to a dozen different people who I kind of tap into from a mentorship perspective. And that's um, across different areas, teams and functions that I I kind of have got on call, which is an amazing place to be. I'm a really big believer in kind of like making today a little bit better than yesterday. So it's about like, how do I make sure that like, I'm learning from the things, both the things I've done well and the mistakes that I've made. I recently actually joined um, this thing called the Revenue Collective, which for sales leaders or revenue leaders or or any form of kind of like go to market leader that's out there. I was lucky enough to kind of join that group and it's been a phenomenally great resource even so far. I read online, I read a ton of books, uh, and I've got probably about 15 to 20 different like daily to weekly update subscriptions that I kind of go through everything from industry-specific stuff around financial services or fintech uh, all the way out to just kind of like general technology and leadership. I'm reading this amazing book called The Trillion Dollar Coach at the moment. Uh, A lot of people have probably heard this, but it's an outstanding uh, read so far. And then I I read something uh, more recently that was like definitely not focused in the area that I was in, but it was actually essentially about um, the history of uh, Genghis Khan uh, and about uh, essentially how he helped establish kind of like what is modern trade, the modern or kind of components of the monetary system. So there's a bit of a financial kind of bend to it, but uh, again, like it's very kind of diverse and spread across a lot of different places.
0: As you look back on your career and people obviously learn best from their own mistakes and the mistakes of others, what was one of the If you could wind back the clock sales mistakes that you made or sales leadership mistakes that you made that your wiser older self knows better.
1: I was thrust into a sales leadership role, you know, very early in my career. If I'm totally honest, I was completely unprepared to to be a sales leader at that point in time. I was young and dumb and thought it was a great opportunity. I look back now and and especially in my first probably year or two in that role, I I was a terrible manager I I think one of the things that I recognized was that I didn't have enough mentorship and leadership that you know the bench strength of leadership internally at that company was, was also quite low and so it was a lot of just like learn by doing so like I probably learned the majority of the stuff early in my career by just making a lot of mistakes But I started to question and ask myself, like, what are the things that I was good at and what are the things that I wasn't good at? And in a lot of cases, it actually kind of helped me define, like, what I wanted to learn and where all my skill gaps were. But it also actually helped me work out where I wanted to go to and work at next. It's actually kind of like what led me to then move over to Salesforce.com by going to Salesforce and, and taking a chance and, and actually doing a complete sea change from an industry perspective, I could really go there and learn from some of the best. And it's actually where I, I probably built the vast majority of like my kind of mentor network was you know, through people that I met, people that I worked with and sat sort of side by side because I wanted to just go in there and just like learn from some really amazing people. And, and I count that as being sort of a very kind of formative component of my career both in terms of working out what I didn't know and what I needed to learn but also who and which company or companies I wanted to learn that from and it's paid off in spades.
2: What are some ways if somebody's looking for a mentor to find what they're looking for and what kind of traits should they be looking for?
1: You've got to have a, like a really honest conversation with yourself which is like what do I think that I'm good at? And you should continue to invest in those areas and find kind of like, you know, even mentors to support those things that you're good at, but also go and work out what you're not so good at. I think that the key behind that is once you kind of get a definition of the things that you're good at and the things that you're not so good at, um, it then can like really narrow your focus. There's a lot of people out there that believe that like having one single mentor that silver bullet that silver mentor that person's probably not out there i'm a big believer in kind of breaking things down into as many divisible kind of pieces and chunks as you possibly can early on in my career there was some like really heavy investment in kind of like time and effort around those relationships so that was where things needed to be more frequent and and more consistent so that was like set times set cadence today, those relationships are very ad hoc. They are truly people who have become great friends of mine in the process. They, they might have been mentors that have kind of helped me with things. But in some cases, those relationships have become a lot more reciprocal as opposed to one way. And in a lot of cases, they are people who will continue to be great mentors, but they're also great peers and, and great friends.
0: Obviously, when you were at Salesforce, they did a lot of acquisitions, but as an individual salesperson, you may not have been that affected by them. You guys acquired a company called Quovo not too long ago, and there you might have needed some mentorship and guidance on how to think about how sales teams should integrate. So you can reverse that role and share a little bit of your wisdom about how salespeople, either in an acquired company or an acquiring company, should think about merger integration, again, from that sales perspective, as opposed to the general company perspective.
1: I think that like the way that I've always thought about this is that we you know we want to take the best of breed. There were things that they did really, really well. They were really focused on, you know, really key customer needs and actually executing on, on that. And that they'd won some really great relationships by taking a really deeply ingrained, you know, approach to the way that they sold. Um, and so in a lot cases, like what we could then do is we could then sort of t- start to take like the best of like their sales methodology and their sales process and their customer engagement strategy and their value proposition and really kind of like comparing that to like what we did as a company and, and taking the best of those two worlds. I think it's a real moment where you can kind of take like the best of and actually become a better sales and revenue organization as a result of the people, the team, the insights that you get as a result.
0: What are the situations where you would move the acquired sales salespeople into product specialist role as opposed to, you know, moving into maybe core selling roles?
1: You know, you typically see that a lot, particularly when, you know, very large company acquires kind of like smaller company, etc. I think the question comes down to how different is the buying profile or the buying persona for that other company. So if like that person that the acquired company is used to selling to is not someone who you're used to selling to today, and more importantly, like level of, like, technical needs, technical understanding, like, is is there for that product. I I think that those, like, two things play a a pretty big factor in whether you would have those teams, like, remain independent and can actually kind of, like, go after separate markets, separate market share, completely different TAM, etc., as opposed to kind of like merging those teams together. Like I think if they're being accretive to the business, like it's like similar customer audience, et cetera, then like that might be a time where you would probably like move that acquired team into more of like a kind of sales overlay because like they're so deeply specialized. But if there's a true distinction between the two companies, I'm also a fan of like sort of not merging those teams and having it work that way. So long as you can kind of like work on those things and and it makes sense to drive a level of independence.
2: I know that culture is something that's really important to the folks at Plaid. How are you communicating to your sales team what the culture could be, what you could expect, um, and how to not stay up at night worried about the changes that are to come?
1: You know, we're really lucky at, at Plaid. We've built an amazing kind of team culture, both at a Plaid-specific level, but more importantly, specifically within inside the sales organization. Two years ago, we we took the time as a sales org to sit down and define the values of our sales organization. Value number one was be a vanguard or a thought leader. Um, I won't go into the nerdy military history of like what a Vanguard thing is, but if anyone wants to look it up, go ahead. The next one was uh, to leave no stone unturned. So it'd be just be super thorough and really rigorous in all the things that we do. The next one was essentially uh, grow together. So learn from each other. And then the final one was to win as a team, like really focus on team emphasis as opposed to individual. And by defining those, those four kind of values that supported the overall value and principle framework that we had at Plaid, I think it's been great because it actually means that we can walk in and and not have a lot of stuff to kind of worry about because, you know, we have defined our own culture, we have defined our own team, and we've defined our, our way to essentially go and be successful as a team. And so in a lot of cases, I think that, like, that's taken away a lot of, like, the concern of, like, being subsumed into another company's culture and things like that. So we've essentially then built that into the way that we define all of our roles, our career guides, everything that we've got as a sales organization actually reflects those kind of values and principles uh, as a business. And so I think that that's put us in really good stead to be successful as an independent company, but also as a potentially acquired company as well.
2: And so are there any things that you do as a sales team together to encourage folks to win as a team? So I know as a salesperson, it tends to be very individualistic. I am the quarterback and I will involve my SEs, my PMMs, but when it comes to the person that's sitting next to me, I'm not that involved in their sale. So what kinds of things are you doing to encourage them to collaborate together as salespeople and then also to celebrate those wins together?
1: The best way for people to see how that works is to see how other people are being successful collaborating with people. We spend probably close to 15 minutes of every single team meeting. So we have a sales-wide team meeting. So inbound, outbound, all of our AE levels, even our specialized vertical teams, et cetera. We all get together every single week to kind of like review the business and and where we're at. Um, And we commit to hearing a customer story or a recent win story in every single one of those sessions. Like The really important thing there is just salespeople hearing from other salespeople, like how they get that stuff done. And there really isn't a situation where we feature someone that hasn't used a resource across the business because, like, we we literally need to use all the resources that we can to be successful. I think just because like we've been so innate about kind of like just doing that from a team and cultural perspective, and more importantly, helping people understand like what those resources are, when they should deploy those resources, like that's also really important. So we're we're quite deliberate about what we define as our sales stages, the activities that are involved in those sales stages. Um, And so we do specifically kind of call out like that engagement, like what should be happening at those various sales stages as well.
0: Almost everybody knows that they should have entry and exit criteria for sales stages. Almost everybody has them. But in my experience, so few actually are disciplined about ensuring that the exit criteria are met I'm curious what you do to ensure that that's the case or if you do have really rigid boundaries on those exit criteria.
1: If I'm going to ask someone to do something, like, is it meaningful and beneficial for them to do that thing, right? So like to make the effort, like that should be like your first question. And if the answer is no, it's not meaningful and it's not going to help me close my deal, then the question you should be then asking, is like, why am I even asking this person to do this in the first place? If that's to satisfy like, some report somewhere here's the thing just get rid of the report because the report doesn't mean squat people will will do and they will make it and take that activity if the thing that you're asking them to do will help them and will it be valuable for them in the sales process and like that for me is like the the place where people should start And, and i think that we don't ask a lot like we don't have a ton of compulsory fields in our salesforce instance just because again, it just becomes this sort of like lift and labor exercise as opposed to like an outcome exercise, which is really what pipeline should be about. It should be about delivering on outcomes, which is like moving from stage one to stage two, from getting that deal closed, whatever else it is about, like the activities that should relate to the opportunity should deliver an outcome.
0: You mentioned a few times, like, you know what you're good at, you know what you're working on. I love that degree of kind of self-awareness. So I'm I'm curious for you, like, where is the biggest learning area for you that you're seeking guidance on?
1: I think the thing that I've been thinking a lot about is us continuing to kind of like just refine like our sales process. And literally, I've probably forgotten more sales classes than than I've attended at, at this point. But I think for us at, at Plaid, like we're in a unique world, in a very unique sales cycle, because we're a natively embedded product inside someone else's kind of platform and we can really dramatically shape you know the customer experience or the product experience with the things that we deliver on I, I think that like that actually is forcing us to think more creatively about how we run those sales cycles can we just like do our sales process better and be more successful at that and it's been great for me because like even after 20 years of doing this kind of thing it's like asking me and, and forcing me to think. Differently about, you know, we still drive towards, you know, delivering on revenue. We still, you know, and drive towards our customer acquisition targets. But I think a lot about how do we just get better at selling as an organization for the specific problems that we solve and for the product that we have at Plaid. And and that for me is what I I continue to be focused on all the time.
0: There's like a book to be written and a, a very unique and distinct strategy for the API kind of sell. They're the technology that's inside. And that is the next wave. Some people have described that as the post SaaS wave is like the API product wave. So I think there's a great book to be written there. I think one of
1: the interesting things with what we do here at Plaid is that we're not only like the API and connectivity layer, but there's also data that we deliver as part of our service, which is even more kind of like unique all over again thinking differently about how to do something that I've been doing for a long time, which is generating revenue, but doing it in a, in a very different way. And that honestly has been one of the hardest parts, but it's also been one of the most fun parts about what this job is and, and why I'm as passionate today as I was three and a half years ago when I joined the company.
0: Such a pleasure talking to you, learning from you. If people want to learn more about Plaid or get in touch with you, what are the best ways for them to do that?
1: hit up plaid.com or uh, directly linked to me on LinkedIn anytime. LinkedIn is the is the best place uh, to find me.
0: Outstanding. Thanks for
1: being on today. Cool. Thanks, Shonday. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks, Paul.
0: Hey, salespeople. It's a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. Paige McCauley is our producer podcast is available on apple podcasts spotify and wherever else podcasts are found thanks for listening to the hey salespeople podcast